0: Kids kids truly matter uh, to TFRC, and it's not just a local emphasis. They matter to Jesus, um, and we want to do everything we can. There are almost 350 kids registered at VBS, and we're going to devote a few weeks here to talk about the significance <clears throat> of childlike faith, and it seems, oh, it's about the kids, but you'll be amazed at what Jesus has to say about our faith through the lens of a child. And so we're going to get into that in just a minute, but would you pray with me, please? Father, we thank you so much for the opportunities to gather and worship, to the, uh, the opportunities to resource your kingdom through the offerings that we just took. And, and perhaps over these next few weeks, I, we're, we're most grateful for all the young lives you've entrusted here to us at TFRC. For those volunteering even now in the nursery, for those uh, who assist with youth ministry and elementary school program, Lord, we so thank you for their faith in you, for their commitment to the body of Christ And uh, we pray for the little ones of this church, for the preschool, elementary, middle school, high school kids that uh, are part of the ministry that can be so impactful, not only for today, but for the rest of their lives, and and Lord, for eternity. So Lord, uh, just allow us to focus on that for a few minutes this morning as we gather at your word. In Christ's name we pray, amen. We uh, try to give some of the volunteers a break here. Uh, a few times of the year, and this is one of those months that our elementary school program and, and perhaps other programs are, are taking a break. So we've got more kids in the room than uh, usual, and so uh, I wanted to do something a little bit different and uh, just to talk to the boys and girls. Um, you know what happens when somebody reads from the middle of the room? Do you, you pay attention to that kind of stuff? Well, today, I'm going to read the Bible from up here. But if you'll join me, I've got two pieces of candy for you. Okay? So come on up. And I'm going to read first. You're going to have to listen first. But then I've got two pieces of candy. Okay. It's a tough crowd. Gobstoppers, Laffy Taffy, Nerds, and Smarties. I knew that would do it. Okay, so I'm going to read first. I'm going to read first, and there you see the candy. So, you come in an wait, 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 in an orderly fashion. We're going to do this. Oops, sorry. Okay. Okay. The energy in this room just went up exponentially. And old people, if you're good, next week you may get some candy too. Attendance record on August 12th. Um, okay, boys and girls. Actually, this is one of the reasons I'm doing this. And I know you're excited for the candy, but this, I'm going to read a story out of the Bible that involves boys and girls. And see if you can track with me. See if you can follow along, okay? You're going to have to listen. I'm checking to see, because you may get your candy quota reduced if you don't listen, okay? <laughs> Although I'm aware that the words quote it and reduce it mean nothing to most of you here okay this is from mark 10 and what i'd like all the old people to do now is stand up because we face the middle of the room this is god's word right this is really really important mark 10:13. you can turn in your own bibles this is the story you guys people were bringing little children to jesus for him to place his hands on them but the disciples rebuked them When Jesus saw this, he got really, really mad. Really, really mad. Jesus, not me. And he said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God, get this, old people, like a little child, will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, blessed his hands on them, placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. Okay? Old people, you can have a seat. Now. <laughs> okay, now let me get down. Back, back. <laughs> now, you get two, okay? so just two just two and there's plenty there's plenty for everyone what's left i'm taking but there's plenty for everyone oh man there's two for everybody thanks for your patience you're welcome thank you two pieces two handfuls not two handfuls two pieces (laughs) two pieces oh look at that But I want you to feel and experience the closest thing I could think of approximating to that moment with Jesus and his disciples. Um, Real inefficient use of time, right? You're not growing spiritually when I'm handing out candy to kids. And by the way, I'm sure somewhere in the Bible, there's a verse that talks about Jesus handing out candy to kids. Okay, I'm sure it's there. Haven't found it yet. Haven't found it. Boys and girls, I have one other thing I wanna say. You'll never believe who I saw at the city park last week. Santa Claus. I'm not kidding. It was Santa Claus in July. It was amazing. I waved at him and he waved back. This was at that um, Rotary Club ice cream uh, Fun Day, if you think I'm making this up. Santa was there at the a- entrance. And boys and girls, there's two questions Santa asks you if you're going to sit on his lap next Christmas. I'm preparing you. Get ready for this. Okay? The first question will be, what do you want for Christmas? Right? And that's when you tell him what you want for Christmas. You know what the second question is? Have you been... Good, for goodness sake, if you've memorized that song. Honestly, it's very similar, in a way, to this scene of Jesus. Parents and kids come to Santa. Parents and kids are coming to Jesus. But the gift is so much different. Because when parents brought their kids to Jesus... They wanted him to bless them, which was standard, by the way, for rabbinic circles in the first century. And Jesus wasn't just interested in what the child wanted, he was more interested in what the child needed. And little did the child know that someday he would uh, desperately need a sense of deep joy and peace and hope and abundant life, let alone eternity. And so this was that moment. It's interesting that they came for a blessing. And when Jesus blesses the kids, uh, the the Greek, quick Greek lesson that I think is kind of fascinating the, the Greek term of the verb is an emphatic term. Literally, it means with passionate intensity. This is not you know, uh, rubber stamp blessing, this is not routine blessing, Uh, let's get the kids out of the way so we can get to the deep stuff blessing. This was a passionate moment for Jesus where he truly meant this moment mattered. This was above and beyond the norm, not an afterthought. Because blessing kids from that moment to this one has been a priority for the kingdom. Here's the qualities of childlike faith. It's what we're talking about, faith like a child, in this series. Here's some qualities of childlike faith, and these are only a few. You could add your own, to be sure. Childlike means trusting, dependent, innocent, honest, inquisitive. Ring a bell? Uh, But then let me set alongside of those our childish characteristics, because childlike is distinct from childish. Childish is selfish. It's being a know-it-all. It's insensitive. It's demanding. Now, you can talk about personality, emotions, or faith. And probably some of us know adults that are a lot more childish than childlike. But for the rest of our time here this morning, childlikeness is a virtue, not a badge of immaturity. And I wanted to just show you a few uh, snippets from uh, some of our first through third graders. And I want you to look for themes. This is about childlikeness. From a first, second, or third grade perspective, see what conclusions you can draw. Watch this. I like eating a snack. on all
1: the games. It's so fun. I like shirts because I get to hang out with my friends. Playing games and doing all kinds of stuff. Because I get to see my friends and play with them. Because we sing. see The teachers and all the fun we do. Uh, because you can draw sometimes. And the singing. I like that when we go to Sunday school, we do on certain activities and uh, we uh, have fun. I like hanging out with my friends and learning new things. I like about church is because I can see all my friends and learn a lot more about God. Even if I, if I know a couple stories, I can still learn about more. Because we're gonna talk about God. It's fun, but it's also educational, and it's just uh, fun for kids to learn about God and have fun. come you can send the army and the Jesus to fight because he saves us from our sins because he created us because he's powerful because he loves me and i like his holy spirit and his whole word. because he always saves me because he saves me he loves people Cause he made this whole world and me. Because he does um miracles and he's cool. He's really powerful and gave his women only sin to die on the cross. Because oh he's our savior and he died on the cross for us. I love Jesus because he died on the cross for me. Because he died on the cross for us? He died on the cross for us sins. His dad sent down him so we could be here on Earth. He just did that because he loves us all.
0: Faith Like a Child, and you saw the themes that were repetitive there in that set of uh, video clips. Uh, It's about community. It's about fun. Remember that? Church is fun. It's about what Jesus did on a cross, dying for our sins, about God's power. There are theological themes in embryonic stages in those particular uh, video clips. and this is an important statement from Mark 10:14. As you watch those kids come to the middle and be kids, as you listen to those kids speak as kids, I want you to take a good look at this statement from Mark 10:14 which says, "For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these." Did you expect the kingdom of God to look differently? more sophisticated, more profound, more powerful. See, Jesus implies we can come to God with a faith that trusts God just like the faith of a child who trusts his mom or dad and that accepts that all of the challenges and problems of life is going to be handled by God just as their earthly mom or dad may handle them. So what honors, what so honors Jesus is when we receive the kingdom of God like a little child because we can't we won't enter the kingdom of God by what we do or earn it's what Jesus has already done understand this when he says receive the kingdom it's not just a salvation moment that Jesus is describing more accurately it's it's saying experience the kingdom have you experienced the kingdom of God It is the gift of salvation, but the blessings of God, the invitation and the challenge of obedience, the impact and influence that we're called to demonstrate, the call to follow in the footsteps of Jesus is receiving, experiencing the kingdom. And the New Testament, on more than one occasion, shows how Jesus treats kids during his public ministry. I, I wanna just read for you another encounter with kids. And the setup, and this is, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 18. Verse 2. Here's the setup. One day the disciples asked Jesus one of the great questions of the rabbinic movement of the first century. The question was this. Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, answer the question in your own mind. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? How would you fill in that blank? Well, let me show you, read for you in Matthew 18 the question is who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven Matthew 18 verse 2 check this out he called a little child to him and placed the child among them my guess is right in the middle and he said truly I tell you unless you change and become like little children you will never enter the kingdom of heaven therefore Whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. He used the child as an object lesson for what really matters in the kingdom. Now children, and let me just unpack that for a moment. Children serve as a significant reminder of several things. And I want you to think about this as you hear the noise of kids around you today. As you go in the octagon and someone undercuts you as you're walking to the coffee bar. Whenever. Parents, you need an extra special blessing if you're still parents. Um, but remember these things. Children serve as a significant reminder of our opportunities for transformation. He points at a little boy or a little girl and said, unless you change, you become like this. And how many of us have outgrown that? Sadly, unless you change and become like who? Me? Pastor? Elder? Deacon? Theologian? Bible scholar? Grandpa? Grandma? Jesus could have selected anyone and put them in the middle of the circle, and he chose a child. And I think we blow right by the power of that moment. Children also serve as a significant reminder of our opportunities to demonstrate humility. Again, therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child, not childish, but childlike. You see, in God's kingdom, he flips the values, and kingdom greatness is defined by servant-hearted humility. Third, children serve as a significant reminder of our opportunities to honor Jesus. He says, whoever welcomes one such child in my name, guess what? Welcomes me. I hope all the nursery workers have this verse somewhere attached in the midst of a diaper change, in the midst of screaming, calling parents, that when they welcome that little child, even beyond their intellectual capacity, these little infants, they're welcoming Jesus. They're welcoming Jesus in that other wing that is so soundproof and we are so grateful. Um, Take a look at that child that, quite frankly, isn't being disciplined that well from your perspective. You could do a better job with that child. In fact, you may try right now. When you look at that child, I want you, and I realize it's a little bit of a philosophical and figurative leap. I want you to look at that child and see Jesus. Just like we look at the poor and the hungry, and the imprisoned. And when we did the least of these, Jesus says, we we do it to Jesus himself. Doing some uh, research this past week, it's fascinating to see the implications of kids in Christian America. How many of you have ever heard of the 414 window? 414 window. Anyone? Anyone? I just feel like a Ferris Bueller moment here. A few, a few of you, right? Few of you were here at the first service. That's good. Very good. Um, It's a, it's a huge deal. Um, The 414 window is, um, and they do multiple surveys these days over the last 20 to 30 years. This is not a random comment, random survey, random analysis. It asks the question: How old are individuals when they receive Christ? And the Barner Report, which is much like a Gallup poll, came back with several statistics that we need to really listen to and grapple with. Let me put one on the, bo- on the screen for you. How old are individuals in America when they receive Christ? Almost two-thirds people in this country receive Jesus as Savior and Lord while they're 4 to 14 years of age. That's the 4-14 window. Now, check this out. Among Christians who embraced Jesus before their teen years, half of them were led to Christ by their parents. Parents? Half. Another 20% in that age group were led to Christ by a friend or a relative. 70% of the people in this country, of that two-thirds group, come to Jesus through a parent or a friend of the family or another relative. Let's look at this, one more stat here. 75 to 80% of individuals receive Jesus before age 21. Should the church prioritize kids' ministry and youth ministry? I can't tell you. I can't tell you how crucial it is today. Of all days, and I'm not going to bore you with the cultural factors going on, but of any era in our lifetime, do we need to prioritize kids? Of course we do. Forget that. Jesus told us we should. And here's a real key finding that I think is fascinating. You can have a chat about this. People who, this is an analytical data here. People who receive Jesus as their Savior before their teen years, according to surveys, are more likely than those who are converted when older to remain more committed to their faith. Kids, if they commit early in life, are the odds are they will be more committed through the rest of their life than those that receive Christ later. That make sense? argue it, if you will. Obviously, one major reason, it's in the pre-teen years that we develop our frame of reference, our worldview for the rest of life, especially more morality and philosophy and theology. Kids, I mean, we have constant stories. I just want to share a couple of them. Um, I need to make sure one of them isn't in this room. My grandson, Ben, this is part of uh, the routine at the Reisman's house we will get together after church, and one family member asks, What did you learn? On this particular Sunday, they asked, we asked the question, and Ben said, He's four. Well, we learned about Jesus. To which someone responded, Well, who is Jesus? To which Ben said, He's God. Isn't that silly? <laughs> now, I don't know about your theology of the Trinity. But the fact that God and Jesus are one to a four-year-old seems silly. And I can't wait for him to flesh out the theology of the Trinity someday, perhaps by his sixth birthday. <laughs> um, but that's what happens. That's childlike faith. Doesn't make sense, but he still loves Jesus. And he believes in God. I had, I had another story of my mom shared with me just last week. Um, and listen, you work around here, there are dozens of these. Uh, little TFRC preschooler attended VBS, later in the day was running through the sprinkler in his yard uh, upon which he ran up to his mom and said with a big smile, Mama, look, I got baptized. (laughs) Now, he'll have to swap out some consonants at some point to understand what that really means. But don't ever underestimate a preschooler running through a sprinkler when he associates that somehow with Jesus. It will come back parents later in life maybe much later in life uh, don't miss the opportunities folks to stimulate your kids faith and development spiritual development these days are teachable moments now the passage back to the passage briefly what we've got to determine if a child's role in the church is a distraction or about discipleship see the problem with uh, Jesus' disciples and not that they were stellar by any means in their faith is that Jesus' disciples dismissed the validity of the children's values of their value here here again is the verse people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them but the disciples rebuked them same feelings perhaps perhaps that you may have experienced when we delayed the service by five minutes we're going to be five minutes late today because of those kids Were you frustrated a little? Could I have gotten some help in passing out the candy? Uh, Could we have been more uh, equitable, more organized? How'd you feel? Well, tell you what the disciples felt. They rebuked the kids. Picture the disciples rebuking these kids. They rolled their eyes. Hey, kids, get out of the way. You don't belong here. You're making too much noise. Shh. I'm not saying that to you. Just that's what they probably said. Although you got really quiet, which I really appreciate. Would you stop running? Disciple? Put yourself in the disciple's place. What are you gonna say to these kids and the parents indirectly? You know how that goes. Stupid. Oops, shouldn't use that word. Bad parenting. Bad parenting. So Jesus' disciples dismissed the validity of children's value. What Jesus does, diametrically opposed, is that he prioritizes children. Why? Because he saw their potential as disciples. We think this discipleship thing is for mature Christians who know their Bible backwards and forwards. It starts with the kids that you saw gathered around the Word this morning. Those were many disciples on a path to follow Jesus. Some perhaps more closely than others some perhaps more mature than others. But those are many disciples. And you can nurture those many disciples, parents, and it's going to be you that has the ultimate impact until middle school, high school and becomes their peers where they need communities of people just like themselves. And get this, Jesus sees the disciples rebuke the kids and he was really angry. He said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Jesus got angry twice in the New Testament. Mini quiz. There were two times Jesus got angry beside this. I would stack this up as the third. He was indignant. Indignant. Indignant the roots of the words. He was great, so greatly displeased, he felt pain. That's what indignant meant. Just another reminder in Matthew 18, the other passage we referred to. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Now that's an overreaction by Jesus, wouldn't you say? Come on, lighten up. They're kids. They're just kids. Let me spin that statement positively. How can we individually and collectively facilitate a child's faith development? How do we encourage it? Because these kids are disciples in progress, not disciples in waiting, as we all are. In fact, many of those kids (laughs) demonstrate a stronger faith than we do. I wanted to show you a couple different steps along the developmental scale today. We, you heard the input of first through third graders. I've asked a couple of middle schoolers to, to reflect a little bit about their faith. Very grateful they're going to do that. I'll make sure they get candy when we're done. But uh, Noah, would you come up here, Noah Thompson and uh, Lily Pfister? Come on up. Let's uh, give them a warm welcome, shall we? Remind me about the candy after church. I'll, get to that. I'll, I'll score you a few. No, I really appreciate these guys. This is not easy, you can imagine. Um, but I wanted you, I'm just going to ask a few questions of you. And, and before we do that, see, uh, these guys went to Hume Lake a couple of weeks ago. Our high school kids are on the road back, literally as we speak. And I wanted to show you a video that Noah has. And this is, this is summer camp, 2018 style. This is called The Blob. And what you do with a blob, I'm not going to try to explain, but the big, hefty fellow on the top, you'll recognize as our youth guy. Noah is sitting on the blob, okay? Watch what happens. And that summer camp, that is so cool. That is so cool. Just think if he and I had jumped at the same time, dude, would have sent you out of the state. Um, let, let, let me ask you first, guys, what, what did you like most? Because this is a, it's a big deal. You support Hume Lake through a variety of ways. It's an important facet to our ministry. Um, what did you like best about Hume Lake? Lily, I'll start with you.
2: Um, I really loved recreation and being able to be a part of a fun team and just getting to know people from the state of California was really nice and playing fun games again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool.
0: Noah, how about you? Beside the blob.
2: Yeah. Um, I really liked recreation also. Cabin time was really fun though, and we got to discuss a lot of stuff. Uh-huh,
0: uh-huh. And, uh huh, uh huh. And in terms of uh, Hume Lake and faith, what, what was one thing there that may have impacted your faith personally, your, your walk with Jesus?
2: Um, you really got to understand why Jesus died on the cross for our sins and that we get to live freely and you just get to know Jesus more each year you go.
0: Mm-hmm. So it keeps growing and growing. Yeah, no.
2: Um definitely during chapel when Ron described Jesus' death, how gruesome it was and painful and he still went through that for us.
0: Mm-hmm. That was hit hit a lot of people, I'll bet too. Now Noah, when did when did you ask Jesus into your heart? How old were you? I was eight years old. Eight years old, Lily. How about you? Five. Were you five? Okay. Um, now, last question: What difference does your faith in Jesus make as you live out your life as an incoming eighth grader and seventh grader? So,
2: um, it's kind of like having an extra best friend on your side and. He's always there to guide you when you feel broken, you're tired, worn down. He's there to carry you through the rest of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Noah, how about you?
2: Um, it's definitely taught me to be a lot kinder to everyone, not always make the snarky comeback.
0: hmm Good deal, good deal. Um, hey, thanks a lot. We'll, we'll, that's good. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, now, some of the things that you hear in places like this seem to be somewhat cliche. You saw the little kids talking about fun and singing, and, but that that's that developmental stage where God works through a variety of ways appropriate to the age group with, these, with uh, Lily and Noah too. Friendship matters. You know anything about adolescents parents, uh, your, your influence goes down a notch. Their peers are their number one and dominant influence once you hit adolescence and so having friendships that matter that, uh, to have friends that love Jesus uh, that that's a very important thing so and we've got a lot of kids and again you heard young received Jesus at a young age they're in that 414 window so you pray that they never give up that faith they never walk away from it they may be challenged but they'll come back to it I, I one more developmental stage I wanted to share with you if uh, Betty and Olivia if you're around somewhere um, this may be going to another part of the spectrum, but um, this is about, uh, this isn't just about kids today. Uh, childlike faith is for a lifetime. Come on in, ladies. And I'll get you some candy, too, if you do a good job. <laughs> <I understand. laughs> um <coughs> This is uh, Betty Kleinkoff and Olivia Rao. And I wanna just, uh, for a moment, reflect on another th- facet of this, that there is a grandparenting, grandparenting discipleship challenge in the Bible, at least one of them. And I, I, again, ask why I'm a little more sensitive to grandparenting these days, like, you, you get it. You, you understand, it's the greatest thing in the history of humanity, grandparenting. But I want you to turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy four verse nine before I ask these gals a couple questions. Deuteronomy four nine. This is Old Testament stuff, Old Testament Israel but still just as relevant. Deuteronomy 4.9 begins with, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Not implying grandparents tend to be forgetful. Okay, That's, I'm not implying that at all. Right? <laughs> but then this point, teach them to your children and to their children after them. Some of you are in a unique role as parents, but others here are in a unique role as grandparents. I've committed to being a better grandparent in terms of faith formation of my grandkids than I was with my kids. And in some ways, I get a do-over. Did the best I could with what I knew then, I know more today. And have an incredible opportunity tomorrow. And so I want you to meet a couple of folks that I think have childlike faith. not childish childish. although we can ask their husbands perhaps later Um, a long time ago they asked Jesus into their hearts but I want you to look back ladies and the one question we've obviously we've done this once before this morning as you reflect back Betty what difference has your faith in Jesus made for you and again you're looking back a few years now but um, what difference has it made
1: Years ago, uh, my daughter, who was six months pregnant, called and she said "Uh, there's something the matter with the baby and and they think that they're going to take it and he won't be alive. And so we rushed up to Portland to a trauma hospital where she was and they took the baby and we stood in the hallway and prayed and prayed and didn't know what we were praying for, but we prayed and... The baby lived, but because of the medicine they gave him, he was deaf. And so he went on and their family learned the sign language. And his little sister was his interpreter most of the time. And we were up there to church. And they went to Sunday school. And I said to her, Sarah, why don't you go to your own class instead of always going with Scotty? And she said, Grandma. If I don't go with Scotty, he won't know Jesus. And so Scotty learned Jesus, and he went on, when he went to the deaf school later years, he, he saved, he led Jesus to many of the deaf children in that school. Mm-hmm.
0: And again, uh, prayer has been a big part of Betty's life, and even in, in the face of seemingly impossible odds, they prayed and God spared the baby. Uh, Olivia?
2: Well, I, I didn't know the Lord as, as a child, as a young child. I, I didn't have any formal uh, religious education at all. And um, uh, it was until I was about in the fourth grade that I started attending a church with a friend of mine and started learning a little bit <clears throat> about God and about Jesus. But I was so confused because I didn't have that, that strong background. And as the years went by, I got more and more confused. and. And as I got older, uh, that confusion and not knowing really right from wrong um, in that sense, you make a lot of mistakes, you make a lot of bad decisions. And uh, uh, I kind of bungled my way through a lot of my life. But, you know, God has a plan. He has a plan for every one of us. And, and I didn't know that, but all this time he was patient with me. And he uh, led me to Larry led me to a godly man with strong Christian values uh, who knew an awful lot more about about being a Christian and knew about he had given his life to God to, to Christ. I hadn't, it wasn't until a few years after that with Larry by my side and my daughter uh, that I did accept the Lord in my life. And the differences that it's made since then are immense Uh, I know that he's with me he's with me always 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 I know I all I have to do is ask and he is there I know all I have to do is hold my hand ask him to hold my hand through every trial through everything that comes along and uh, the peace and the joy that you feel because of that and watching these little children and knowing that they're learning that now and they can carry that through their
0: lives. Mm-hmm. See, that's childlikeness. With all due respect, I mean, you're—it's um, trusting in God's providence, trusting in His plan, even when you don't get it. Um, one, one last uh, question, ladies: What advice would you give to boys, girls, teens, and maybe especially parents this morning about living out the Christian faith? Betty, I'll let you go first.
1: Well, God has all the power. And through prayer we can tap into that power and he's so willing to listen to all of us he's never too busy to listen he's never too busy to help us and we just need to be willing to ask for his help and there have been times in my life when I was hurting so badly (laughs) I couldn't pray and so you just call out to God and say God please help me please help me and he does and then now in my life I have two situations that I they just seem like they're impossible there's no human possible way they can be solved and I say to God God make a way I know you can do the impossible God and make a
0: way good deal thanks Betty Olivia
2: um, the one thing that I, that I would like to stress, that I wish we could stress to, to uh, parents, grandparents, those of us that actually have the responsibility of, of helping these little children, wasn't that beautiful what we watched this morning? All those little kids um, and their strong beliefs. And, and it's up to us in this changing world that we live in, changing so fast. I can remember, we can remember when there's actually a telephone. We can remember when we had a party line or we had a three-digit phone number. Now what do we have? We have an apparatus we hold in our hand that's a telephone, a camera, a computer. Who knows what it's going to become? And these these children from now forward life is happening so quickly for them and they're expected to know so much so fast the pressures and expectations are so great and it's up to us it's up to to us our generation and parents generation to to help guide them to teach them that how to pray and that god is always right there right there Talk to him when you're happy. Talk to him when you're sad. Talk to him when you need him to be there with you.
0: Good deal. Thanks so much. Hey, let's give them a, <laughs> a round of applause. Thanks. Thanks, girls. Thanks so much. Where's the candy? Hmm? Where's my candy? Candy's right down there. Huh? Oh. <laughs> I'll see. You. I'll catch you later. Catch you later. Hey, this is no trivial, insignificant conversation we're having here today. This is life and death, folks. First of all, it's eternal life and death. Secondly, I would argue, and Olivia alluded to it, never in our lifetime have we seen the opportunity within a culture that's changing rapidly. And that's being a, it's a radical departure from the culture many of us uh, grew up in. Uh, take a good look at the children that God has entrusted with you in your relational circle. And make sure the one thing you prioritize with them is childlike faith. Model child, not childish, childlike faith. One more verse I want you to look at today. It's where we began. Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter or experience the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so so much for every child, preschool, elementary school, uh, teenagers, middle school and high school that you've entrusted to us as a ministry. Lord, may we take that more and more seriously as we understand to win the culture, we've got to win the kids. And Lord, for all the parents and grandparents, uncles and aunts, neighbors and friends, co-workers, give us new eyes to see the opportunities to reach out in the name of Jesus and to model Christ-likeness, but also a childlike faith whenever we can. Lord, we thank you and praise you for the most amazing opportunities on the planet of reaching the next generations for Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen.